as we march off into the sunset. Yes, this is CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show with Gavin Walker coming right up.
like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR. FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker, and we're going to jump right into the jazz feature in a few moments. And as you know now, our feature... Um, that used to be at 11 o'clock, is always going to be played at the beginning of the show. And, of course, tonight is uh, our, <laughs> and I say this with a touch of irony, our back-to-school um, series that we do every year. But, uh, of course, uh, we have to leave out um uh, certain schools uh, in our area, as we are all very much aware of it. But the uh, the university and the private schools, of course, are, are back in full force. Um, so this is uh, um, essentially what we do uh, in September and sort of try and give you um, a mini history of, uh, of jazz music um, and with a focus on not necessarily being uh, pedantic or scholarly or anything like that, but an overview, and hopefully it will be ent- entertaining. And, of course, we're going to begin this week with a history of jazz uh, narrated by one of the gr- all-time greatest of all jazz musicians, alto saxophonist and band leader, uh, composer, Julian Cannonball Adderley. And... The interesting thing about this recording, even though it was done in 1960, and of course it's going to leave out uh, so many of the developments of jazz music um, since then, uh, for instance, uh, the, the free jazz movement, uh, the, the movement into uh, ele- more electronic music and, and, and fusion, and um, the adaption of um, or the developments of uh, the neoconservatives in the early 80s, bringing jazz back to uh, an acoustic format. Wynton Marcellus was very responsible for that, and so many others. And and all the developments then, it leaves all of that out. And most of us have, um, of a certain age, have lived through those eras anyway. But it would have been very interesting had Mr. Adderley uh, been contracted to do an upgrade every five years or so before his untimely passing uh, because he is so lucid and, and, and so interesting. However, this is the one document that we do have, and I still think it's very valid, even though a couple of uh, terms in there are dated, and, of course, so many of the musicians, including Mr. Adderley himself, uh, are deceased. But these are the people that... that uh, created jazz music and and so he gives you um not a detailed history of jazz but but an overview this is what this is meant to be and and uh, a lot of people don't know um how jazz started and and its origins and where it came from and all this kind of stuff so this kind of gives you that 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 overview and um Hopefully it's it's entertaining as well. As I said, some of the terminology in it is a little bit dated. Um, one for one thing, uh, Mr. Adderley, who of course is black and uh, or African American, 
uh, refers to uh, black people in the uh, um, in his lecture as uh, as Negroes, and of course that was a very proper term back then. It's no longer used. It's obsolete. Um, it's not necessarily insulting, but it's just out of date and not used by, uh, by black people, African Americans anymore. Um, it belonged to a certain era, but that was uh, right and proper back when this was recorded. So um, things like that uh, crop up. But uh, other than that, I think it's an excellent overview. And uh, as I said, we do this every year to sort of welcome everybody back to fall, um, back to school, back to work, this whole thing. So we hope that we can um, give you a little taste of jazz history beginning right now with uh, the great alto saxophonist, Julian Cannonball Adderley. Um, one other thing that I should mention before we uh, uh, kick this thing off is that um, this was recorded for a small independent label. So Mr. Adderley didn't have um, uh, access to a lot of the recordings. He only mentions them verbally because it would have been really, really expensive back in those days to go to other labels and then lease recordings to use on this. It just would have been out of the question for a small label. So he merely has to mention names rather than give you recorded examples. But there are, there are plenty of good ones on this. And um, so sit back and uh, enjoy about uh, almost an hour of this uh, wonderful history of jazz narrated by the one and only Julian Cannonball Adderley. just heard two very different sounding examples of the American music called jazz. This record is concerned with telling you and letting you hear something about what jazz is. Not in a music lesson way, but something about what jazz sounds like and why it sounds that way and about some of the many people who've played it and are playing it today. So it seems a good idea to begin by letting you hear these two samples. The first was what jazz sounded like back in the 1920s, which was long before your time. Although I'm sure you've heard of one of the musicians on that record, Louis Armstrong, who was a very young man then. Following that was a little of a record made just a couple of years ago. And one of the musicians on that one happens to be me. The first is called Chimes Blues, and mine is Barefoot Sunday Blues. These two selections must have sounded very unalike. And of course, in many ways, they are very different from each other. Because a great many things can change in music, and in the whole world for that matter, in almost 40 years. But in two ways, those two different pieces of music are really very similar. 
For one thing, both are blues, which means that they have the same musical form. The melody of both is 12 bars long, and even more important is something that I hope you were able to hear in both of them. A feeling of sadness in the first example, and happiness in the second. For one of the most important things that almost all music is concerned with, and for that matter, almost all stories and paintings, is the way people feel about things, their emotions. You feel like laughing when you're very happy, or smiling when you're pleased, or crying when you're very unhappy. A painter, or writer, or dancer, or singer, or a musician is very often expressing feelings like those. Of course, it's not quite that simple, but one thing that you should remember in listening to this album and to any jazz you hear anywhere is that jazz is very much a matter of people expressing their feelings, their thoughts, their ideas about life, and doing it through their music. Back at the beginning of this century, in the very early 1900s, there was no such thing as jazz, but there were in many parts of America, and particularly in the South, a lot of different kinds of music that were soon to lead to the beginning of jazz. Rhythm, a definite musical beat, is a basic part of jazz. To some extent, you can trace this back to the drum music of Africa, from where slaves were first brought to America centuries ago. Chances are that the music of Africa hasn't changed too much, so that this recent example of Congo drumming is a good deal like that of long ago. Working hard in the fields have always depended on rhythm to make their job seem easier, or at least to seem to move along more regularly. Add a melody and repeated phrases, and you have a work song. And it often doesn't sound too different from the blues. Here's an early blues singer named Blind Lemon Jefferson, singing a sort of work song blues that might have begun long ago in a southern sugarcane field. Got a worry chair, worried everywhere. I am worried chair, worried everywhere, chucking to the Man, I sit side at home and I not be worried now. But I'm tired of marrying and I'm tired of it settling down. I don't tell this married, tired of this selling down, chucking to go. I really want to feel like I am a sip of time. Other kinds of music, like brass band marches and spirituals, also played a part. And there were also the very catchy melodies of a kind of music called ragtime. Here's Scott Joplin one of the most famous ragtime composers and piano players. 
and his best-known tune, Maple Leaf Rag, which you've probably heard before. these pieces didn't suddenly fit together one day and call themselves jazz. As a matter of fact, although there have been lots of stories about that word jazz, no one seems really sure where the word comes from or when people started using it. But early in the 1900s, in the city of New Orleans, small groups of musicians were playing a music that had many of those before jazz sounds in it. Let's listen again to part of that chimes blues we heard at the start of this record and see if you can hear some of those sounds in it. band that played Chimes Blues 
was led by a famous trumpet player named Joe Oliver, but known as King Oliver. King, as you might imagine, means that he was considered the very best. Music was a very important part of life in New Orleans. The early jazz bands played in parades and at weddings and other big occasions, and it was no small honor to be known as King. But musicians, like all show business people, usually don't stay too long in one place. After a while, these musicians and their jazz began to move on, and King Oliver was one of many who went north to Chicago, which became the next big jazz center. But since our story is going to travel to different cities and through many years right up to the present, before we move on from New Orleans, we should point out that many musicians stayed right there. And those stayers and many of the movers continued to play jazz in pretty much the same early style. Listen to two records made about 20 years after Chimes Blues. The first is by a stayer, clarinetist George Lewis, playing a spiritual, the old rugged cross. The second is a blues played by Sidney Bechet, who was such a mover that he ended up in France and who was the most famous player of a seldom used instrument much like the clarinet, the soprano saxophone. In Chicago, jazz was no longer so much a part of community life. There were no jazz band parades. But in Chicago in the 1920s, you could have heard a great many men and women who were the star entertainers of their day. Let's sample the music of some of them, beginning with a man known as Jelly Roll Morton. Jelly Roll was a piano player and a band leader and a songwriter and was also widely known for his flashy clothes and as one of the most boastful talkers ever. But his music was pretty flashy too, as in this piano solo of a tune of his called Perfect Rag.
this was also a time when blues singing was very popular, especially such moving and deep-voiced singers as Bessie Smith, and also Ma Rainey, who we'll hear now. Among the changes in jazz that were taking place in the 1920s was that it was being heard and played by more and more people. The musicians you've heard so far on this record have all been Negroes. But in Chicago, there were many white jazz musicians. Some of them were from New Orleans, too. And all of them certainly had listened to Oliver and Dodds and Louis Armstrong. Listen first to the band called the New Orleans Rhythm Kings and a bit of the Maple Leaf Rag and then to the beautiful trumpet of the famous Big Spiderbeck, who grew up not far from Chicago and who is playing the Royal Garden Blues, a tune which just happens to get its title from the Royal Garden's nightclub, where King Oliver's band played. Although we haven't talked much about the instruments used in playing jazz, you might have been able to notice that there's almost always a piano, drums, and either a tuba, or, as is always used now, a bass fiddle to keep the basic rhythm going. And the melody is usually played by such brass instruments as trumpet and trombone, and such reed instruments as clarinet and saxophone. Well, towards the end of the 1920s, Partly because jazz was often played for dancing in big ballrooms, more brass and reed instruments began to be added to jazz bands. The same kind of instruments as before, that is, but more of them, making bigger bands. Another thing that was happening towards the end of the 1920s was that Louis Armstrong, the young trumpet player who had been almost a pupil of King Oliver and had joined him in Chicago, was becoming the most famous and important of all jazz musicians. One of the first of the big jazz bands was led by a man named Fletcher Henderson, and it happened that Louis played for a while in that band. Still another thing that should be noticed is that solos began to become a very important part of jazz, meaning that instead of everyone playing together, 
as it happened most of the time with a man like King Oliver's, there were more and more times when a single instrumentalist, assisted by the rhythm instruments, would play his own variations of the melody. That, basically, is improvising. One of the words you hear most often in connection with jazz, and meaning creating your own music to some extent instead of sticking to the written down notes. Which, of course, is part of the expressing your feelings through music idea that we pointed to at the beginning as so important a part of jazz. There has been improvisation in jazz almost from the start, but Armstrong can really be called the first great soloist, the man who first made the individual solo the most exciting and interesting part of a jazz performance. We can get some idea of all three points, big bands, Louis Armstrong, and solos by listening to Fletcher Henderson's orchestra in a recording with a solo by Louis. was certainly not staying in any one city all this time. Talented musicians could be heard in many places. For example, in New York, there was an unusual young piano player named Fats Waller, who also liked to sing in his own way, and who was one of the most funny performers of any kind. Listen to what he could do with something like Stephen Foster's Oh Susanna. that growth of big bands, which became very important in the 1930s, no one was more essential than band leader and composer Duke Ellington. His first band may not sound too different from what you've heard so far, but it was the beginning of a very new form of jazz in which the big, rich sounds of a whole orchestra were used to express the ideas and feelings of this one man. 
Decide for yourself whether this early, not too big, Duke Ellington band sounds like something different. The story of jazz is very much a story of great individual performers, particularly those who were imaginative enough to do things that no musician had thought of before them. Louis Armstrong was one of them, of course, but in some ways, a man named Coleman Hawkins is even more remarkable. At least Louis had been able to learn from other trumpet players, but Coleman Hawkins plays tenor saxophone. He was a member of that Fletcher Henderson band you heard a little way back. And the saxophone had really been added mostly to help create that bigger, fuller dance band kind of sound. But Hawkins made the saxophone into a true jazz instrument, simply by inventing a style of playing that produced wonderful original solos, thus showing the way for all the saxophonists who came along later, for which all of us are thankful. Hawkins is still playing, and still playing fascinating jazz, as on this tune, called Think Deep, recorded just a few years ago.
The 1930s were the swing era with big orchestras like those of Benny Goodman and Ellington and Count Basie and many others playing a music that was much smoother and more carefully written down and more suitable for dancing than any earlier jazz had been. Swing referred mostly to that kind of easily rocking rhythm, whether fast or slow, but it was still jazz, still a music that expressed emotions and had a place in it for the musical variations of an individual soloist. Often, however, it was when the men who played in the big orchestras were able to make records with smaller groups that they were able to feel closest to the kind of jazz feeling they liked best. For example, here is a small jazz group led by a trumpeter named Buck Clayton, who was with Count Basie's orchestra, followed by another small group that includes musicians who regularly played in Duke Ellington's big band. the 1940s, there began to be another change in the form and sound of jazz, possibly the biggest change of all so far. It involved different ways of dealing with rhythms and harmony and even with melody, and it often called for much more musical schooling than had been needed to play jazz earlier. So for one thing, it sounded very strange indeed when first heard, strange not only to the public, but also to older jazz musicians. And for another thing, it is harder to discuss or describe without getting into technical or complicated musical language. But bebop, which was the first name given to this new kind of music, and the other forms which have followed it, have come to be the accepted forms of jazz today. Really the only kind of jazz that most of today's musicians, like myself, find a true and effective way of expressing ourselves. Modern jazz was largely created by the musical thinking and experimenting of such men as alto saxophonist Charlie Parker, trumpeter Dizzy Gillespie, and pianist Thelonious Monk. Listen to this example, a Thelonious Monk composition titled Epistrophe. The composer is at the piano and the others include a very strongly rhythmic modern drummer, Art Blakey, and two remarkable tenor saxophonists. One is Coleman Hawkins, who we first noted in the 1920s. 
and the other is the most inventive young modernist named John Coltrane. listening to modern jazz, you are bound to be confused by all the many names of performers and of styles, you know, cool jazz, soul music, hard bop, and lots more, none of which I intend to try to explain. The point is that today's jazz is still in the midst of being formed and reformed. The earlier forms, even though in some cases they are still being played today, can be looked at a bit more clearly, since they are settled and won't be changing anymore. I can only recommend that you listen to records wherever you can, and as much as you can, and I can mention a few of the many current names you will come across in your listening. There are trumpet players like Dizzy Gillespie and Miles Davis, and a great many younger men, including my brother, Nat Adderley, Listening to a bit of his work here will also give you a touch of two instruments we haven't mentioned before, guitar and cello. The guitar has always been around in jazz. It was the instrument accompanying the blues of Blind Lemon Jefferson. But in today's jazz, it is more often played as a melody instrument, as if it were a horn, rather than as part of the rhythm particularly when it is played by so inventive a guitarist as the one you can hear now, Wes Montgomery. Cello hasn't been mentioned because it is rarely a jazz instrument, except when a talented bass player, such as Sam Jones, makes use of it. Tenor saxophone is a widely popular jazz horn, and among the most important young musicians using it are John Coltrane, who we mentioned a moment ago, and Sonny Rollins, who really doesn't sound too different from Coleman Hawkins, but is obviously an artist with ideas all his own.
should keep your ears open for many others, too. J.J. Johnson, who plays trombone. A fascinating group called the Modern Jazz Quartet, who have devoted much of their thinking and playing to bringing jazz closer to concert hall music. And a great many pianists, such as Dave Brubeck and Ahmad Jamal, and a young man with a really beautiful piano sound, Bill Evans, who we'll listen to now. Most of today's jazz is played by small groups, but there have been and still are several large orchestras. Some of the most famous big band leaders of the modern period include Stan Kenton, Duke Ellington, who is still going strong, and Woody Herman. Here, for example, is what a recent Herman orchestra sounds like. Singing has always been closely connected with instrumental jazz. In the early days of New Orleans and Chicago jazz, there were the blues singers, like Blind Lemon Jefferson and Bessie Smith and Ma Rainey. The swing period had its singers, like Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald, who is still one of the most enjoyable singers you could hope to hear. And in the present jazz period, several singers have attempted to express the same sort of newer and freer feeling as the instrumental musicians are doing. Probably the most successful has been Sarah Vaughan, 
who really has to be thought of as being as much of a musician and, and improvising soloist as if she were playing a horn. I keep wishing I was somewhere else Walking down a strange new street I'm as giddy as a baby on a swing I haven't seen a crocus or a rosebud Or a robin on the wing But I feel so gay in a melancholy way That it might as well be Of course, today's jazz is very different from yesterday's. Just as the latest model automobiles look very different from a Model T Ford. But there are many similarities, and one way of emphasizing them might be to listen to a modern jazz group playing the same sort of tune that was played by New Orleans bands. Listen to an old spiritual, Wade in the Water, as recorded in 1960 by a band led by tenor saxophonist Johnny Griffin. Even when the tune is a brand new one, 
the jazz spirit can be very much the same as it has always been. I think that my band, if it is being successful in playing what we feel, means very much the same to people who hear us as the jazz groups of the 20s or 30s or 40s meant to their listeners, or as some very different sounding jazz musicians of the 1970s and the 80s and the 90s are going to mean to you and your children. Here as a final sample is one of our recent numbers. I hope that you have enjoyed this introduction to jazz and that it has given you some understanding of what this particular kind of American music is all about. I know and I want you to realize that this has not been any complete history. There's only been time to touch upon some of the highlights and some of the important points. I've had to leave out many details and a great many important ideas and a great many names in the jazz story. But perhaps this album has started you towards an interest in this music and has made you curious and ready to start listening to what is to me and many others a most important and fascinating part of American music and life. I certainly hope it has.
Our jazz feature this evening, A History of Jazz, narrated by the redoubtable Julian Cannonball Adderley. And, uh, of course, uh, as I mentioned before, this was a short capsule history of the music. Um, and the album was recorded in 1960, and as Cannonball himself said, you, there's going to be some very different kind of music uh, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and so on and so forth, as we all know. But um, this gives you a little bit of a historical perspective as to the uh, origins of the music, and I certainly hope you enjoyed it and found it uh, not only educational but uh, entertaining as well with all the different examples of uh, musicians uh, that were played. The final selection that we heard um, was basically uh, uh, a great tune that Cannonball wrote called the Barefoot Sunday Blues, and that was an example that was used at the very beginning of the record, and we heard a full-length version of it with uh, Winton Kelly on piano and uh, the two Heath brothers, uh, Percy on bass and Albert on drums, Tootie, and uh, the Barefoot Sunday Blues. Interestingly enough, Cannonball Adderley never gave, um, that was a title that um, that was um, given the tune by the producer, Oren Keepnews, and Cannonball actually um, accepted it, but he told Oren that uh, because Cannonball was raised in the South and and the church was a very important part of um, the black communities in the South. It provided a sanctuary, not only a, a place to worship, but a place to uh, sometimes hide from uh, uh, various enemies, etc., uh, of which there were many. So, um, but on Sundays, even though a lot of the young children uh, went barefoot most of the time because the weather's warm down there and there's lots of uh, lakes and, and, and stuff, but on Sunday, they always wore shoes because Sunday was church day and you had to dress up. So there was no such thing as a barefoot Sunday, barefoot Sunday blues. And Cannonball <laughs> mentioned that to Oren Keepnews, of course, who was um, born in New York City and uh, and uh, didn't uh, wasn't aware of all the subtle subtleties of the South. But Cannonball uh, said, "We'll keep the title anyway because it's kind of it's kind of groovy," and uh, that's how that came about. Anyway, funny little story. So I hope you enjoyed a history of jazz narrated by Julian Cannonball Adderley. We're going to hear a little more of his music later on in the show this evening from one of my favorite Cannonball Adderley albums. And uh, we'll get to that later on in the show. Um, but we're going to hear uh, some music right after these messages. Uh, one of my all-time favorite albums by someone who just celebrated his 84th birthday yesterday, September 7th. I'm talking about the great Theodore Walter Rollins, Sonny, Sonny Rollins. And we're going to hear uh, an excerpt from one of my favorite albums by Sonny Rollins, of, uh, among the many, many albums that he made. But after these messages, and uh, just to remind you that you are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker. 
and uh, we shall return momentarily. But uh, do check out these messages. Whoever said money can't buy you friends obviously wasn't a member at CITR. When you become a member, you get the Friends of CITR card with incredible discounts in the Main Street area at... Antisocial Skateboard Shop, Devil May Wear, Lucky's Comics, Neptune Records, RX Comics, Red Cat Records, the Regional Assembly of Text, the Wallflower Modern Diner, and Woo Vintage Clothing. To find out more, visit us in room 233 of the sub on the UBC campus or go online to citr.ca. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Honkameenam-speaking Musqueam people. I got weather, you got weather, all God's children got weather. And here it is. Tonight is a few clouds and becoming completely cloudy overnight uh, with a low of 12. Um, There is a slight, very slight chance of a little small shower. But then tomorrow is going to be clearing up with sunny periods later on in the day with a low of 12 and a high of 20. Then on Wednesday is a mix of sun and cloud with a low of 14 and a high of 22. That's kind of the transition day into the return of summer. Can you believe it? Yes, for the rest of the week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there's only one word in the forecast, and that's sunny. And temperatures are going to hover between lows of between 10 and 11 and highs between 20 and 25. So enjoy it uh, while you can, because uh, you know it's not going to last. No, no, no. So there we go. Good weather. All right, we're back. Um, This is an album that I treasure. I I remember buying it uh, uh, when when we were living in New York, and I remember it had just come out. And, of course, uh, at the time, uh, this gentleman and still is, was one of my idols, and that was Sonny Rollins. But this was a brand-new recording on a 12-inch LP. And um, I had uh, lots of Sonny Rollins records, but I also was aware that uh, he had um, fled the New York scene and uh, went to Chicago. And uh, I didn't know all the permutations and combinations at the time, but uh, what had happened to Sonny, of course, uh, like a lot of musicians. Um, uh, in those days, Sonny had uh, uh, become a drug addict. And 
he got very, very tired of, uh, of the lifestyle, realized that he would have no future uh, as a musician that he really wanted to be, because uh, that seemed to steal all of his motivation. And he looked in the mirror one day and said, I don't like you, Sonny Rollins. I'm going to change. And he did. And uh, the first thing he did was to leave New York City and leave that familiar uh, area with the people that he knew. And he moved to Chicago and um, did not play music there. Um, uh, After he uh, went uh, through uh, self-withdrawal, from uh, from heroin addiction, which is <laughs> pretty tough. You do that stuff on your own. Sonny did that and uh, took a job, um, a labor job in, in a warehouse and began practicing his horn, began practicing better health, eating right, doing exercise, that kind of thing. And, uh, and it worked. And it was after a while... Um, People were starting to call Sonny. Miles Davis wanted him in his new band. Sonny said he wasn't ready at the time, so he didn't join Miles. But that's what happened. Uh, that's why John Coltrane became part of Miles Davis's band. But a few months later, Max Roach was looking for a tenor saxophonist uh, because his main man, Harold Land, had moved back to uh, San Diego to take care of his mom and had left the Max Roach Clifford Brown Band. So Mr. Roach and company were looking for a saxophone player. And uh, Sonny was one of the ones that auditioned for Mr. Roach, uh, amongst a couple of others in uh, 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 great Chicago players. And, of course, uh, Max saw how um, Sonny had improved his lifestyle, had improved his music, and... um, of course, he was hired, and history was made. Sonny Rollins joined the great Max Roach Clifford Brown group. So this album was Sonny's first after that um, rather unpublicized sabbatical. This was kind of a, a comeback album, although a lot of people didn't, Sonny wasn't as prominent in those days. People didn't realize what had happened to him. This was simply a new recording by Sonny Rollins. But his strength on here uh, and his, it's the change in his playing was unbelievable. The album came out on Prestige Records. It's called Work Time, and it features his boss on drums, Max Roach, who is in great form, of course, and um, the bass player who worked in the Roach Brown group, uh, George Morrill, wonderful, strong bass player. And on piano, Sonny picked uh, a young man who was just moved to New York City, um, a gentleman named Ray Bryant, originally from Philadelphia, very, very fine, uh, light-fingered uh, pianist, perfect. And, of course, Sonny Rollins on tenor saxophone. I played this record so often at home, my mother hated Sonny Rollins for, for the time. I played this record so much, and of course I turned it up really loud, and she said, oh, not again. She said, that's, she didn't like it at all. Uh, She liked jazz, but she liked Stan Getz. She liked Zoot Sims. She liked Lester Young um, and some of the older saxophone players like Coleman Hawkins. And um, she was not convinced about Sonny Rollins. She didn't didn't like his sound. She said, he sounds so abrasive. 
and and uh, didn't like it at all. But eventually, eventually, she got around to saying, "Gee, he's not bad at all." But it took it took time, and I, I think it was because I played the record this record so often that it uh, began to drive her a little crazy, of course. But um, there you go. Anyway, she got to like Sonny Rollins, and uh, this is still remains one of my very favorite albums. As I said, the album is called Work Time, and it's recorded December 2nd, 1955. And uh, we're going to hear three tunes from the album. Uh, the first tune is a Sonny Rollins original called Paradox. Then we're going to hear the ballad of the set, which is a tune that was uh, put on the map by Frank Sinatra. Uh, who was one of Rollins' favorite singers. And um, Sonny, this is, I think the ballad is the best track on the album. And the ballad is called There Are Such Things. And the final tune is written by Billy Strayhorn uh, that the Duke Ellington Band recorded, a great tune that Sonny just explodes on, and it's called Rain Check. So three tunes from this wonderful album, by Sonny Rollins. So we're going to hear Mr. Rollins on tenor saxophone. Happy birthday. 84 years old. Still going strong. He's going to be touring in 2015. He's, he's taken a bit of a break, but he's, he's coming back. So that's, that's absolutely amazing. I've seen some recent videos uh, with Sonny, and he looks very, very healthy. So there you go. Um, he's, he's there forever. Sonny Rollins on tenor saxophone here, Ray Bryant on piano, George Morrow on bass, Max Roach on drums, and we begin with Paradox, Sonny's composition. Thank you. 
Sonny Rollins, from his classic album. A lot of people um, that are Sonny Rollins fans, a lot of people aren't aware of this particular album. I don't know why. Um, it's one of his one of his classics. But anyway, it, it is a favorite of mine. As I, I told you the story at the beginning, um, how I bought it almost on the first day of its uh, um, issue. And uh, the album is called Work Time, and we heard three tunes from this album, uh, beginning with uh, Sonny Rollins' original called Paradox, and then the, the piece de resistance of the whole set, the ballad. There are such things. And the final tune was Billy Strayhorn's Rain Check. And um, we heard, of course, Mr. Rollins on tenor saxophone, Ray Bryant on piano, George Morrow on bass, and some incredible drumming by the one and only Max Roach. Recorded December 2nd, 1955, and it marked Sonny's return to the New York scene and uh, his uh, return to, uh, to good health and strength. Sonny, of course, before this, was an excellent musician with an underground reputation, but this album really was the beginning of supersonic Sonny and uh, his huge influence on jazz music. Uh, just another quick story. I remember taking this, um, the uh, music teacher in, uh, at junior high school um, asked us one day to uh, bring uh, our favorite records in. And, of course, this was the one I brought in. And everyone else, um, I was the only one that brought in any jazz records. Um, and, and this was the one I picked uh, for them to play and listen to. Um, and uh, other people picked, uh, you know, pop pop records, and 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 some of the some of the kids in the class also uh, brought classical recordings as well. Um, but I was the only jazzer, and uh, the music teacher uh, listened to this and um, made a comment, and uh, I was mighty offended. I I couldn't believe it. Obviously, he didn't understand the music at all. But what he said, he said, these are all good musicians, but he said they're merely showing off the fact that they're good musicians. Otherwise, um, they're really not, uh, really not saying anything. That was his way of dismissing this. This was a music teacher. And so uh, I remember being, being terribly offended, but I kept my mouth shut and uh, just said, well, you know, uh, some people are just square. They, they'll just, they'll never understand. <laughs> so that was it for me, um, trying to deal with the, uh, that part of the world. I had my own friends that, that, that loved this music, so I was cool. Anyway, uh, hope you enjoyed our small tribute to Sonny Rollins. I picked that record out because it's a personal favorite of mine, but I have many, many more by Sonny Rollins, believe me. And uh, I have so many of his recordings that uh, we could do um, a year's programming on uh, Sonny Rollins' music from all of his different recordings and different uh, aspects of his career. So, happy 84th birthday to Mr. Rollins, and he'll be touring next year. He turned 84 yesterday. We'll be back. Uh, right after a couple of messages, I'm going to pay tribute to a great musician who passed away today, one of the great band leaders in jazz. He was a very fine trumpet player and a wonderful composer, centered mostly on the West Coast. His name, 
Gerald Wilson. He was 96 years old, and he was active right up until his demise, leading um, a great orchestra in uh, Los Angeles. So uh, we're going to pay a tribute to uh, Gerald Wilson right after these messages. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR. 101.9 on your FM dial or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker, and we will return momentarily. Considering studying abroad? Visit the Study and Go Abroad Fair on Saturday, September 27th at the Vancouver Convention Center East Wing to meet top universities from around the world offering postgrad, undergrad, and diploma programs abroad. Visit the Travel Zone for volunteering, language programs, adventure travel, and work abroad. Expo opens at 1 p.m., but come early at noon for our feature seminar on scholarships. Admission is free. Check the website for more info at studyandgoabroad.com. Want to know what's up at UBC? Read the UBC. It's only the largest student newspaper in Western Canada, and it's written and edited entirely by UBC students. The UBC is your source for on-campus news, culture, and sports. New editions come out every Monday and Thursday. For breaking news, as well as amazing videos and blogs, check out ubc.ca. Gerald Wilson was really lived uh, such an important history of jazz. He was born in 1918, so um, he lived through so many eras. And, of course, he, he turned out to be a very fine trumpet player and uh, really began his career um, in the 30s and began playing with uh, Jimmy Lunsford, one of the great swing bands, And um, Gerald began writing for that band. Um, He realized that that was his forte. And, of course, uh, lived through uh, just an incredible, uh, important part of uh, jazz history. Um, When Gerald moved to Los Angeles, of course, he he formed his his own band. And, um, of course, there was such a a cream of the crop of great musicians living in, in Los Angeles. Uh, we're just going to sample some of Gerald Wilson's music uh, with his uh, orchestra. And um, he, of course, uh, arranged all the tunes and conducted the orchestra. He's not, he doesn't play the trumpet on, on, uh, on here, but he's, uh, his presence, this is his music. And we're going to hear from an album called The Moment of Truth, which came out on, the, on Pacific Jazz. It was recorded uh, back in the um, early 60s. And uh, it features all kinds of uh, marvelous people. Gerald always wrote um, not complex, uh, uh, involved arrangements. They were always written for the player and the soloist. And uh, this was what was so wonderful. And yet his writing was, was, uh, was profound in, in that respect. And uh, Gerald was just... Um, Really, a musical genius. And, uh, you know, one, one can say he was 96 when he died uh, uh, today. And, of course, the world is, the musical world is, is mourning uh, uh, Gerald Wilson. But 96, he's had a pretty, 
damn good long run. And uh, we're so happy that he was around for, for so long. So here is some of his music. I'll give you the soloist later on. There's some great people on here, of course. Um, great musicians that were living on the West Coast. People like Carmel Jones, Harold Land, uh, Bud Shank, uh, Joe Maney, Teddy Edwards, um, uh, Jack Wilson, one of my favorite piano players, uh, is in the band. Uh, Jimmy Bond, uh, the bassist, uh, the great Mel Lewis on drums, and um, lots of other people. And I'll, I'll give you the roundup of the soloists after we hear three pieces of music from this album, Moment of Truth. We're going to hear, um, this was one of, this was a big hit for Gerald Wilson. This tune that we're going to hear right off the top. And it's his own composition. It's called Viva Torado. And uh, then we're going to move to uh, a tune written by Miles Davis called Milestones and a great instrumental version of that. Actually, um, the second tune is dedicated to, uh, uh, is not Milestones. So we're going to save that to the last. The second tune is called Josephina. And that's a Gerald Wilson composition dedicated to his wife, Josephina. And so that's tune number two. Tune number three will be Miles Davis's Milestones. And I'll let you in on all the soloists after we hear these great pieces of music, our um, tribute to the great Gerald Wilson.
three tracks as a tribute to uh, Gerald Wilson, the great, late Gerald Wilson, who just passed away today. As I said, he was 96 years old, so he led a really good, long, productive life. He was born September 4th, 1918, in Shelby, Mississippi, and um, died yesterday at age 96. Gerald was uh, something else and a great band leader. So we heard uh, one of his, or three tunes from one of his classic albums, which uh, came out on Pacific Jazz Records, and with his band, uh, as recorded in the early 60s. And the first tune we heard uh, was dedicated to a great bullfighter, and it was called Viva Tarado. And uh, that was Gerald's composition, and it features solos by the great Joe Pass on guitar, Carmel Jones on trumpet, Teddy Edwards on tenor saxophone, and the next tune was dedicated to Gerald Wilson's wife, Josephina, and that featured the uh, wonderful piano of Jack Wilson, and the lead voice in the uh, melody of that was uh, saxophonist, tenor saxophonist Teddy Edwards. Then the next tune was written by Miles Davis, and it was called Milestones, and we heard some Fine, fine piano by Jack Wilson, um, trumpet by Carmel Jones, alto saxophone by Bud Shank, uh, Lester Robertson on trombone, and uh, we heard the great Harold Land on tenor saxophone, and uh, some more guitar work by Joe Pass. And of course, there were all kinds of um, cream of the crop of the Los Angeles uh, jazz scene in this band including uh, Jimmy Bond on bass and the great Mel Lewis on drums, and um, on conga drums, Modesto Duran. So there you go. That's uh, three tunes dedicated to the memory of Gerald Wilson from his album Moment of Truth. We're going to hear um, a selection from an album that he did called You Better Believe It. And this time, it features a lot of the same people. We're going to hear solos by Carmel Jones on trumpet and Harold Land on tenor saxophone. But the leading voice on this one is uh, a guest in the band in the person of Richard Groove Holmes, one of the great organ players in the history of jazz. And, of course, on bass, Jimmy Bond, on drums, Mel Lewis, and uh, the rest of the folks uh, in the band. This is a tune that Gerald wrote. I've always loved this tune. It has a, um, it has a mournful quality about it. Um, but it was actually written for their cat, uh, Gerald and jo- Josephina's cat. And the cat was named Nyanya. And that's, that's what it's called, Blues for Nyanya. So here it is, Gerald Wilson with Richard Groove Holmes on the Hammond organ as guest artist.
Continuing our tribute to the great Gerald Wilson, this was from an album called You Better Believe It, and uh, it featured Richard Groove Holmes as guest uh, on the Hammond organ, and the soloists on that piece were Carmel Jones on trumpet and Harold Land on tenor saxophone. And uh, that was a composition, kind of a mournful-sounding thing, actually written for Gerald's um, and his wife's cat, and it was called Blues for Nyanya. Nyanya was the name of the cat, so there you go. Um, kind of a, a deceptive title for uh, kind of a, a mournful sort of a piece of music, but a lovely composition, and I think the highlight of this particular album um, by Gerald Wilson on Pacific Jazz once again called um, You Better Believe It. One more from another great Pacific Jazz album. This uh, album is uh, called Portraits, and we're going to hear um, our final selection as tribute to Mr. Wilson. Uh, this is a version of Miles Davis's So What? And uh, a great version, and I'll let you know who the soloists are after we hear this incredible piece of music. Miles Davis's So What? played by the Gerald Wilson Orchestra.
the orchestra of the one and only Gerald Wilson. Died today, age 96. And, of course, we heard uh, some choice pieces of music by Mr. Wilson. That was his interpretation and his arrangement of Miles Davis's uh, great tune, So What?, taken uh, at a very fast tempo. <laughs> Good solos by Carmel Jones and the incredible Jimmy Woods on alto saxophone. He's Jimmy is one of those underground guys, always been one of my favorites, and uh, recorded very little, but uh, it was always good to hear his uh, uh, his sound and his intensity on uh, any anything, and uh, he was on here. Jimmy Woods on alto saxophone, Harold Land on tenor saxophone, and the rest of uh, the folks. Um, I mentioned a lot of the personnel in the band, so you know who was in the rhythm section and so on. So that was from an album entitled Portraits, Gerald Wilson. So a small tribute to this um, historic figure in jazz music who's been around since the 30s and uh, performing as a trumpet player and then getting into writing. Then when he moved to Los Angeles, um, forming his own big band, uh, he wrote for Jimmy Lunsford, Dizzy Gillespie, Count Basie, um, all kinds of things. His his career is uh, unbelievable. Check him out on um, on the computer. Just Google Gerald Wilson, and you'll see so much about him. The great late Gerald Wilson, a good long life. All right, you are listening to the Jazz Show on CITR FM one hundred one point nine or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Just a couple of things I'd like to mention. One of them, of course, I always do, is uh, Brian Nation's great website, which is vancouverjazz.com. As we all know, there's, there's jazz pops up in all kinds of places. We've got jazz at Pat's Pub um, in the downtown east side, and uh, jazz here, jazz there, uh, 1789, uh, which is on Comox Street. It's the old Three Greenhorns restaurant, which has been refurbished. Wonderful place. And uh, Corey Weeds, uh, the former owner of the cellar, produces uh, a number of shows there. And you're liable to hear Corey there, too, as well. So um, there you go. Uh, this It pops up everywhere. And uh, one of the good websites to get on to find out what's going on is Brian Nation's website, which is VancouverJazz.com. Uh, there's all kinds of links on that site, and um, one of them is the gig links, so you can find out uh, who's playing what, where, and when. Another good website to get onto is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society, because those folks don't sleep. They're thinking, planning, working, and uh, working into next year's jazz festival, but they're also producing all kinds of things uh, during the year. And it's always best to get onto their website, which is coastaljazz.ca. And of course, um, somebody I always like to mention is uh, my friend Ken Speller. Ken Speller is a repairman. Yeah, and a good one. And he works from his home, so he keeps his prices down. And he repairs woodwind instruments. Now, there's a lot of people out there playing clarinets, flutes, saxophones, but they, they do need upkeep. Uh, they're sensitive instruments, and uh, a missing pad or a leaky pad or a whatever can uh, really upset your performance and uh, make you sound less than your best. So it's always good to uh, uh, know someone that can 
tweak your instrument, maybe give it a complete overhaul, fix it up so that you sound your best, whether you're an amateur, pro, or um, a student. So there you go. And Ken does it for woodwind instruments. He can be reached at uh, 778-800-1933. That's 778-800-1933. He's in the uh, 13th and Lonsdale area of North Vancouver. So he's, uh, he's easily accept, um, accessible. And uh, if you don't want to uh, use your phone, you can always uh, reach him by email, which is kspeller, K-S-P-E-L-L-E-R, underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. Kspeller, underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. All right. One more thing I'd like to mention. A very popular band uh, led by um, a young lady who's been a guest on, uh, on this show a few times, Holly Burke. Uh, she's a fine uh, flutist, singer, uh, and just a, a wonderful uh, jazz spirit. And she has a band called The Naturals, and uh, it has some of our finest musicians. They've got a couple of gigs coming up. One of them is um, at 428 Carroll Street. And, of course, that's down at the, uh, in the downtown east side. Uh, they are playing there on September 11th, 9.30, or at 9 o'clock on Thursday at 428 Carroll. And uh, admission is a very modest $8 to get in. They'll be there from 9 to 12. So uh, check them out uh, at Calabash. And it's a very nice uh, um, Caribbean restaurant. Good food. Then another gig uh, is happening for that band at 1789. Uh, I mentioned that's uh, the one on Comox Street. That's the actual address. So it's Comox and Denman. And um, Holly will be there as, uh, as well. Holly Burke and the Naturals. And they'll be there on the 13th of September, this Saturday, starting at 8.30 at 1789. So two gigs uh, by a very popular band in Vancouver, Holly Burke and the Naturals. Billie Holiday. Wow. What can you say about Billie Holiday that has not been said before? She has one of the most expressive voices in jazz. Small range, but what she could do within that range is unbelievable. We're going to hear three songs that she recorded in the mid-50s and uh, with an all-star band. And these songs are all beautiful standards, and of course, Billy does them proud. Uh, she's accompanied here by some marvelous people, including Ben Webster on tenor saxophone, Harry Sweets Edison on trumpet, Jimmy Rolls on piano, Barney Kessel on guitar, and Joe Mondragon on bass, and Larry Bunker on drums. And um, all these were recorded um, two years before her untimely passing in 1959. They were recorded in January of 1957. So this is a later period Billie Holiday. She's going to sing for you a beautiful song that I've always loved called Stars Fell on Alabama. Then a great tune that uh, I think Frank Sinatra made a, a hit out of this tune, but it's One for My Baby and One More for the Road, written by Johnny Mercer. And we end 
um, the Billie Holiday set with a Cole Porter tune called Just One of Those Things. Here then is the inimitable voice of jazz, Billie Holiday. In a field of white And stars fell on Alabama last night I can't forget the glamour Your eyes held a tender light And stars fell on Alabama Night. I never planned in my imagination a situation so heavenly, a fairy land where no one else could enter, and in the center, just you and me. My heart beat like a hammer My arms wound around you tight And stars fell on Alabama last I never planned in my imagination 
our situation so heavenly a fairy land where no one else could enter and in the center just you and me This thoughts that I 
One of those crazy flings One of those bells that now and then rings Just one of those things It was just one of those nights Just one of those fabulous flights A trip to the moon on gossamer wings just one of those things If we thought a bit Of the end of it When we started painting the town We'd have been aware That our love affair was too hot Not to cool down So goodbye, dear and amen he is hoping we meet now and then It was great fun But it was just one of those things
to the moon on gossamer wings just one of those things if we thought a bit of the end of it when we started painting the town we'd have been aware that our love affair was too hot not to cool down so goodbye The great Billie Holiday. And of course, uh, she was in wonderful company with uh, Harry Sweets Edison on trumpet, Ben Webster on tenor saxophone, Jimmy Rolls on piano, Barney Kessel on guitar, Joe Mondragon on bass, and Larry Bunker on drums. And we heard three tunes 
uh, all recorded in uh, early 1957, a couple of years before her passing. And we heard the great, uh, the beautiful tune called Stars Fell on Alabama. And then the uh, lament that uh, was made famous by so many people, including Frank Sinatra, Johnny Mercer's One for My Baby and One More for the Road. And then Cole Porter's Just One of Those Things ended the trio of tunes. And of course, um, Billie Holiday, the voice of jazz. And uh, nobody sung like Billie. Nobody could express a melody and just her phrasing and uh, everything about Billie Holiday was so so unique. I mentioned that uh, after the jazz feature at the beginning of the show that we'd be hearing a little bit of Cannonball Adderley. And I think we're going to close the show. As a matter of fact, we are going to close the show with some Cannonball. Um, this is from his very first album on Riverside Records, recorded the 1st of July, 1958. And uh, he had just signed a contract with Riverside and had a long and a uh, very productive uh, career with the owner of Riverside Records, Oren Keepnews, who produced all of his albums. And Cannonball uh, was uh, one of Oren's uh, favorites, justifiably, too. This hand-picked band uh, for this first date, the album is called Portrait of Cannonball, and it was uh, recorded during the time when he was playing with Miles Davis's sextet. Uh, this is uh, Julian Adderley on his own with Blue Mitchell on trumpet, a fellow Floridian, the wonderful Bill Evans on piano, uh, who sounds just marvelous, and Sam Jones on bass. And what can you say about one of the greatest drummers in the history of jazz, Philly Joe Jones on drums? He and Sam are not related, but they certainly play together so well. This is a Gigi Grice composition called Minority. Julian Cannonball Adderley, look out.
That tune is called Minority, and it was written by alto saxophonist Gigi Grice and played by Julian Cannonball Adderley and uh, a hand-picked band for this uh, record date, which took place in New York July 1st, 1958, his first recording uh, for Riverside Records, and it was a long association. This was the beginning of that long association, and... um, Wonderful album, one of my favorites by Cannonball. And Blue Mitchell on trumpet, Bill Evans at the piano, Sam Jones on bass, and of course Philly Joe Jones on drums, Minority by Gigi Grice. Ending the jazz show this evening, we'd like to thank you very much for being out there. Our jazz feature next week is... Um, a recording that was done by Maestro Leonard Bernstein, and it's called What is Jazz? And Maestro Bernstein um, explains uh, how jazz music is put together, how a song is put together, what, what, um, what is jazz and what isn't jazz. And it's... Um, a little more academic than um, this evening's uh, performance with Cannonball Adderley uh, that we had, but it's part of our um, back to school, back to back to fall series. We do this every year, and uh, the Bernstein um, segment is always very interesting. And uh, of course, he was such a legend, and he had a great, great love and respect for jazz music and jazz musicians. So uh, that's going to be the feature next week with, um, again, uh, recorded examples and uh, some very interesting playing by the participants involved. And you'll find out what is jazz and what isn't jazz um, with this very lucid narration by uh, Leonard Bernstein. So that's going to be our jazz feature next week opening the show. So we'd like to thank you very much for being out there. Uh, tonight and hope that you can uh, join us again uh, next week and we start at nine o'clock and carry on till 12 midnight there's uh, so much more to follow on CITR we'd just like to remind you that you have been listening to the jazz show my name's Gavin Walker and we're of course on 101.9 on your FM dial or www.citr.ca Take care, and we'll see you in seven days' time. Good night. And don't touch the dial. This is a great show to follow right after our theme.